this morning we are going to talk about a practice that uh, is an act of worship, but yet it costs us something. In fact, um, it's one of those practices that um, is one of the most ancient of the Christian practices, but the one that is probably most least practiced today, or one of the least practiced today, and that is fasting, all right? Fasting. And, and right when I said that word, I bet 15 different things just shot through your mind, right? And so we'll get into all of that here in just a minute. Um, but what I want us to do first is I want us to reflect back. So we've been since January tracking along, looking at this idea of the way of Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, becoming people who follow in the, follow in the way of Jesus. And we said that if we truly want to be what the Bible calls us to be, which is disciples, right? If we, need, if we want to be disciples, there are three things that are imperative in our life. Number one is that we be with Jesus, okay? Number one is that we be with Jesus. Number two is that we become like Jesus. And we've been hanging out here for, for the past month or so, right? Looking at these practices that over time will help us become more like Jesus. And then the goal of all of that then is to start to do the things that Jesus did, right? That's, that's the goal, the ultimate goal of a disciple. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a progression, I guess, when you really look at it, right? The more time that we spend with Jesus, it should create this desire in our hearts to become like him. And then the more time we focus and the more attention and more that our hearts start to become like him, Ultimately, the result of that is that out of us is going to flow these things that Jesus did. And that's really the goal um, in apprenticeship to, to Jesus. And so last week we talked about the practice of prayer and how crucial and vital the, the, the practice of prayer is in the life of a disciple. How necessary it is to have that communication between us and the Father. We talked about how prayer is not just talking. But sometimes prayer is listening. It's listening to what God has to say to us. It's about humbling our hearts and, and positioning ourselves into a place that we can hear from God. And so we had a practice last week that uh, we were going to try to spend 10 minutes in prayer. Uh, we had a little prayer acronym last week that we talked through. Um, and so we said, uh, and this is just really just to help us as we spend our time in prayer to make it uh, purposeful and meaningful. Right? So we see the P was what? Does anybody remember? Praise. Praise. Okay? And the A? I mean R. <laughs> We're going to record that, cut that off the recording. The R is what? Repent. Repent. Okay? And the A? Ask. Ask. Right? See, I do what we most of the time do is we just jump straight to the A because that's like the, the thing we want to get to, right? The ask, but that is part of it. And then the Y is yield, yield right? Yielding our will to his will. Okay, so let's take a couple minutes, get in a group of four or so people that are sitting somewhat in your proximity, um, and uh, just discuss that. How did your practice go this week? Were you able to find time to pray? But I think just as important, if there was a struggle, right, if, if life just kind of collided and got in the way, talk about that as well, because let's just be honest, there's going to come struggle, there's going to come distraction, there's going to come things that get in the way, and it's just as important that we talk about those things that block us or keep us from praying so that we can continue to work on those things uh, as we follow Jesus more and more. So let's take maybe two minutes, talk about the practice, how did it go, and then did you learn anything from your time in prayer last week? Okay, and we'll come back together and get on to the topic of fasting. So hopefully, uh, yeah, so hopefully that practice has been helpful. And again, um, I just want to mention, it's not like we finish a practice this week 
or even practice it the following week and then we're done and we never do it again, right? These should all be building on top of each other. So let's continue to remember, um, we, as we've talked about taking rest, Sabbath rest, uh, as we've talked about scripture and understanding the, play, the place of scripture in our life and his prayer and his fasting. These are all building up um, to be these things that form us and shape us into the character of Jesus. Um, two quick announcements this morning, just by way of reminder. Um, one is uh, if you have not already signed up for our text announcements, man, Emily is all on it. And she got that up there before I was even like thinking about it. Um, if you haven't signed up for text announcements, we do send out reminders every week uh, that we're doing this practice just to kind of help remind us, hey, have you prayed this week? Hey, have you, have you got into your practice this week? Uh, second announcement is that if you, uh, this morning we do have our Bible app uh, event set up. So if, you're, uh, if, you, if that's the way that you connect and read the Bible, it's through the Bible app. Uh, feel free to jump on to our event. It's got uh, the sermon notes, the, the points laid out there for you this morning, as well as questions and other things like that. Uh, you can add your own notes to it, which is pretty cool, and then you can save it and come back and look at it throughout the week. So just a reminder, we do make those available every week. Oh, yes, ma'am. As a false student, if we're not here, uh-huh. how do we get to that event? Like, because when I'm at that event, like Franklin County is not on my radar. Oh, see, that's why you can place. never miss. I know. Well, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> fix, fix the problem. Yeah, now we know. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, how many times I've gone to the same event, and I didn't take any notes, but I wanted to see the slides, and then I go back in a week or so later, that must just be you. They must, they must have you on the. You must be on the list because, I don't know. We can get together and we'll have a little tech. Our tech guy's not here today, so let me get with our with our tech expert. There's there's a way to share the event. Okay. There's a way to share the event. You can just share it through the text message thing, and then people could sure. And um, also this week, if you guys are on our Facebook, connected with our Facebook, which may be another way. Um, we're on Saturday or Sunday morning. We're sharing the, that link to that event. So I know maybe that will be something that'll be helpful if you're missing a week and you're not going to be able to be here and you want to follow along with that, um, that you can hop on there. So Chad did share that this morning on our Facebook page. So maybe that'll be helpful, um, as we go forward, or you could just text me and I will send you each of the 58 slides that we go through. Okay. Very cool. So fasting, I want to start with a Uh, with a quote this morning from John Wesley on fasting. He said this, he said, Some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. What a true statement. Um, I feel like in this cultural moment that we live in, right, where we live in, in 2020, we're definitely the latter part of that statement, the second half of that statement. In so many ways, each one of us probably have utterly disregarded. In fact, I think a lot of us, when we think of fasting, we think of some antiquated practice that's not relevant for our modern 21st century lives, right? In fact, in general, I think our culture, just by the nature of what it values, makes fasting appear out of place and antiquated discipline. Think about our culture for just a minute, right? Fast food restaurants, restaurants on every corner, grocery stores packed to the brim with shelves of products all trying to get our dollar, right? And even though it may not be coming out front and center and saying, yes, you don't need to fast, fasting isn't good, fasting's not important, the message still carries the same in our lives. 
It's all about us. It's all about feeding that desire, that hunger, that need. And we should have it, and we should have it instantly. And so I want to start there this morning, right? What has caused our current cultural attitude toward fasting? What what has caused this idea when we think about fasting as, as something negative? A few minutes ago, I mentioned fasting. And, and just the reaction in a few faces this morning, I won't point anybody out, right? But, but the, the, that, that, that first thing that comes to your mind is like, ooh, yeah, we're not going to talk about that one, right? It's like giving. It's like, ooh. I shouldn't tell you guys, we're, we're going to talk about that soon too. Um, so, right? But fasting is just this idea, right? And I think there, you know, I, I think that there's maybe two main reasons, uh, maybe more than that, right? But two, at least two reasons I thought of of why We've developed this idea. Um, number one is that a lot of us uh, have associated fasting with, with a very ancient medieval practice, right? That involved a lot of torture and a lot of like just almost starving yourself to the point of, of death, right? There was an ancient practice. And so back in the Middle Ages, right, there was a, the practice was, was set up in such a way that the longer you would fast, right, the more credit you got with God. And so the longer you could do that, right? And so you would have people who were almost on the point of dying, and the church even was validating that and saying, yes, that's how you get closer to God. That's how you earn right with God. And so in reaction to that, of course, we see fasting as a very negative, antiquated practice. When, when, it, when a practice like this was turned into a law, right? Inevitably, it was used to manipulate and as a power play. And so... Whenever we've seen that happen, we just kind of push against that. And we're like, I, just, I don't want anything to do with that. So I think that's part of the reason. right? I think it's got a bad reputation. But then the other part of the reason, I think, is because of our modern day propaganda. right? Our culture tells us right, that we deserve satisfaction in every human appetite. Our culture tells us that we should have three large meals a day. And if we don't, that we're at the point of starvation. Right? Isn't that what our culture tells us? Um, our culture tells us that we just need to satisfy. And so if you even like get the smallest little inkling of being hungry, instantly we have things to fix that, right? You can go to the kitchen, you can go to your cupboard, you can go somewhere and find something that within a matter of seconds, you can eliminate that feeling in your life. And so because of that, we have a very negative outlook on fasting when we hear the word fasting. And so today what I want us to do is I want to drive us to the scriptures and I want us to see what the Bible then has to say about fasting, what the Bible would encourage us to do as far as this practice of fasting. Okay, so um, what I want us to do is I want us to get together. Uh, I'm going to give you guys one more minute and I want you guys to talk just briefly about what has been your experience up to this point with fasting, right? Have you had any experience Right? Maybe you haven't, and that's fine. Okay? It would be a really quick discussion. Nope, 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 nope. Okay, and we move on. Uh, or maybe you've heard of people that fast, and maybe you've heard it from a medical side of things, right? Uh, it's a very popular trend today to do water fast or juice fast or things like that, right? What's been your experience, either personally or what you've heard about, of fasting up to this point? Okay? So talk about that for a minute, and we're going to come back together and dive in and see what Jesus had to say about fasting. Okay? But first, right? As we looked at what our culture says about fasting, I think it's also important at why we should actually look at this practice, right? Why, as, as 21st century apprentices to Jesus, as followers of Jesus, why should we even look at the practice of fasting, okay? 
Three, three just really quick reasons, um, and then we're going to look more specifically at what Jesus actually has to say about fasting, right? But if you're like, why are we even wasting our time talking about fasting? It's so, you know, it's just not a practice we need to do anymore. Why do we do that? Okay, number one, Scripture is full of instructions on this practice. There are places in Scripture that talk specifically about fasting, why we should fast, and how we should fast, and example after example of people fasting, right? Which leads me to number two is that the list of biblical people, right, persons who fasted, really reads like a who's who of the Bible, right? So you have Moses, the lawgiver, okay, pretty important guy. He fasted for 40 days. Now, let me just put in a little side note here. Uh, I believe that was a miraculous intervention. He fasted from food and water for 40 days. Um, that, was, that was God providing and calling him to do that. So let me, don't hear me say, go out and not eat or drink for 40 days. You will die if the Lord hasn't called you to. Okay? Uh, king David fasted. Okay? The greatest king of Israel. Elijah, who many would believe was the greatest prophet. Queen Esther fasted, right, when her people's lives were in danger. Daniel, the visionary, interpreter of dreams. Anna, the prophetess in the New Testament. We have the Apostle Paul, pretty important dude, right? Um, wrote a good majority of what we have in the New Testament. He fasted, okay? If we just take a look at church history, let me just throw out a few names. Maybe you've heard of a few of these people before. Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards. As I was going through this list, I started to realize, man, there's some name. If your name is Jonathan, there's some biblical precedent that you're going to do something incredible for the gospel. Um, David Brainer and Charles Finney, they all... Uh, had developed the practice of fasting, but most importantly, Jesus the Christ, right? The one that we look to, right? The Messiah himself fasted. And so I think we, we need to look at that. Also, as, as a third reason, too, all the major religions of the world practice fasting, right? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it just because of that point. But it's important to realize that, um, it's important to realize that all that uh, these are reasons that we should at some point fast. And so these are all reasons I think at the very least this morning we need to look at this practice of fasting, right? Uh, we need to look at this practice of fasting. So one of the questions is that for us this morning then is, are we required to fast, right? So some people, some of us just think, are we required? Do we have to do this? Am I going against God if I don't fast, right? And what I have to say, I have two things really mainly to say about that. Number one is that there are no scriptural laws for New Testament believers requiring us to fast. There's no place, that thus says the Lord, you must fast, or, or even instructions that you must fast on a regular basis. Again, I think we get into a place that we were with this idea of the Sabbath, right? We have to differentiate between what is a requirement and what is wisdom. What is wisdom, Right? Is it a requirement? Are there laws that say specifically laid out, if you are a follower of Jesus, you must fast X amount of days in order to be a follower of Jesus? Answer, no. But is it the wise thing, right? That's what I want us to think about, right? Is there wisdom in us looking at this practice of fasting? Right? Let me just give you the answer. The answer is yes. There is wisdom, Right? Because Jesus talks about fasting. And so if we are followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, and Jesus talks about something, we need to take it seriously. Right? That is our, that is our go-to. That is, that is who, we, who we are following. We are following Him. So we need to look specifically at what He has to say. 
So again, this week we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to jump around to a few other places, but primarily look at Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Discord on the Mount, right? His teaching. And he talks about prayer in there. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. Let me read this. We're going to jump around. We're going to come back to this passage a few times today. So keep your, uh, keep your finger in there as we, as we kind of flip to some other passages today because we're going to come back to this several times. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's just uh, pray right now, and then we'll, I want us to dive into this passage. Father, thank you for our time. Thank you for, uh, God, just your word, and, and thank you that you speak on uh, this practice of fasting. Lord, I pray that, um, God, our, our hearts and minds would be open not to what uh, we may have perceived about fasting, not even what our culture or other people tell us about fasting, God, but we would just intently look at your word this morning and that we would derive from that what you would have us to do in regards to fasting. But ultimately, God, as with all of these practices, that this would just be a means through which we become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So two things from the context this morning that uh, I want us to to look at in regards to fasting. Um, number one, right, when we look at the context of Matthew chapter 6 and where Jesus talks about fasting, I think he makes a pretty compelling case that Christians should fast. He begins chapter 6 um, by talking about the need for giving. Right? He talks about the need for giving and then follows that by talking about prayer. Two other practices that I don't think many of us would argue that Jesus would call his followers to do today. Right? Now that doesn't say that it's required, but I think that, that helps us to start to understand that Jesus probably expected in the same way he expects us to be generous and to give and also to pray, I think he would also expect us to continue this practice. Also specifically in this verse... When you look at verse 16, and then also again at verse 17, the beginning, he says, and when you fast, but when you fast. It doesn't say if you fast, but he says when you fast. And as you just read, as a very basic reading of that, it would seem that Jesus would expect his followers to continue doing this practice, right? But also notice it doesn't say you must fast, okay, as, as a requirement or a command, but it says when you fast. And so I think it's important to understand that Jesus, from our reading of Scripture, from the context of, of this passage, probably expected his followers would continue to do this practice. Okay? Would continue to do this practice. Now, another place um, in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus talks about fasting is found in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 14, going through verse 17. He talks about this practice. Here's what he says. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we 
and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts on a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old, uh, I'm sorry, on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskin. If it is, the skins burst and the wine spills and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh new wineskins, so both are preserved. Okay? So as we read through this, right, Jesus talks about fasting. Right? So there were some disciples of John, and they came to him and they're like, hey, Jesus, what's up? Right? They're like, what is the deal? So, like, the Pharisees say that we should fast. We see them fasting and we fast, but, but your disciples don't fast. What's up with that? Right? And they're kind of confused here. And so they ask Jesus. And Jesus gives them this picture of a bride or a bridegroom at a wedding. And they said, as long as the bridegroom is there, there's no need for this practice. Right? But there's going to come a day when the bridegroom is taking away. Right? So what Jesus is trying to explain to them is that as long as Jesus was there physically, practically with them, right? There wasn't this need for them to fast, but there was coming a day when he would not be with them anymore. And that his disciples, his followers would fast. The most natural interpretation, right, which is typically always the best interpretation of Scripture, was that Jesus meant that his disciples would begin fasting when he was taken away. After he ascended to heaven, right, there would come a time, right, which, which we call the church age or the, the age that we're living in, right, where we're waiting on Jesus to come back. And Jesus expected during this time that his, fa- that his disciples would fast, all right? We can also add to this the fact that we don't see from Scripture a recording of the disciples fasting until we get to about Acts chapter 13, right? So long after Jesus had uh, ascended to heaven, after the Holy Spirit had come, in Acts chapter 13, we read about as the church is sending out Paul and Barnabas, that the church, with prayer and fasting, right, they worship, they're worshiping God. And that's the first place that we have after, um, after the ascension uh, as far as it relates to the disciples fasting. Okay? And so, I think that the Bible, I think what we get from Jesus' teaching from the New Testament makes a pretty compelling case that fasting is a discipline that he would expect his disciples to continue to do. Right? question is then, why are we so hesitant still to doing that? Right? And I want us to look at, at the words that Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. He says this. He says, where are the people today who will respond to the call of Christ? He says, we have become so accustomed to what he calls cheap grace that we instinctively shy away from more demanding calls to obedience. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross. What I think Bonhoeffer is is hitting at, what I think that we struggle with, is not the fact of whether it would be good or not for us to actually implement this practice, but am I willing to follow and be obedient in this call that's actually going to require something of me? I think that's why we stiff-arm this practice so much, if we're being really, really honest. It's not because we don't think that the Bible talks about it, not because it's not relevant for our lives, right? We really just stiff arm it a lot of, a lot of times is because it requires something of us, and we typically don't like that, right? 
Just like that video we showed at the beginning, we want, we want our worship to not cost us anything. We want it to be on our terms and convenient. But yet this practice, and with the heart of this practice, what it gets at is this call to obedience. It's called to dying to self and living for Christ. And so what is the biblical definition of fasting then? Right? Our world talks a lot about that, but a biblical def- definition of fasting is this. Abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose or for spiritual purposes. Right? Very basic, very simple. Right? We're abstaining from something we need. Right? We need food in order to gain something that we need even more, which is this, these spiritual purposes, these spiritual practices, this cl- getting closer in our relationship with God, right? It's abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. I want you to keep that definition in your mind. It's going to come back to play uh, here in just a little bit, okay? But the other thing I love about the gospel, I love about the gospel message, is that we actually get a recording of Jesus fasting, right? In Matthew's gospel, right, Matthew chapter 4, it talks about a moment when Jesus fasted. And I think we can learn a few things from this as we look at Jesus' example. Let me just read it to you. You're probably familiar with this. Um, This is a lot of times referred to as the temptation of Jesus or the 40 days in the wilderness. But it says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Okay? So I think, one, we get a definition right here of fasting, right? It said that he went 40 days and 40 nights without food, and he was hungry. I love that. Like, yeah, of course. 40 days, 40 nights without food, we would all be hungry, right? That was the result. He was fasting. He did not eat for that period of time, right? But the more significant part of this scripture that I missed for so many years when I read this, right? Who was it that led Jesus into the wilderness, Spirit, right? The Spirit. See, the way the story always played out in my mind was there was this moment, and Jesus was like just, for whatever reason, I never connected the dots, Jesus was kind of hanging out in this wilderness, in this wilderness place, and then the big bad devil was coming and just torturing Jesus this whole time, right? And I totally missed the context of this, that it was actually the Spirit that led Jesus out. This is right after his baptism, and the Spirit is the one that is leading him out into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested by the devil. There was a purpose in this, right? Right? There was a purpose. This, this, this time in the wilderness before the test was a time of preparation in Jesus' life. It was a time of preparation for Jesus to prepare for this test, for this temptation that he was going to experience. And this test and this temptation, in a lot of ways, a lot of commentators, a lot of, a lot of theologians believe that this was to prove that he was the Son of God. Right? This was that moment that was going to show, yes, his baptism, right? but then this moment of testing to show that he was the Messiah, the true one of God. And he was going to be tested or tempted by, by the evil one, by the devil. And so as you see Jesus going out into the wilderness, he's not just going out there right, to, for this torturous moment, but he's actually going out there to prepare. The, the Spirit is driving him out, and he's in this season of preparation for 40 days and 40 nights. And so the fasting became part of the preparation process for Jesus to withstand this testing, right, in this moment. 
And I love that picture, right? Because now testing is not, I mean, now fasting is not just this thing that we do just because we feel like we have to, but it's actually part of preparing our hearts, preparing us. Fasting does something to us to prepare us in those moments of life when we're tested, in those moments of life for hard things. When we need to hear from God, uh, fasting is a practice that can prepare us and prepare our hearts, right? And so the question comes in, why do we fast? All right, pretty good question. Why? Why Why do we fast? Well, first, let me just say that fasting must be done for a purpose, okay? I don't want us to miss this. Fasting must be done for a purpose. A lot of times, I think that it has become popular for Christians just to fast, just to say that they're fasting, right? Or just to maybe fit in with a a certain Christian image. Well, yeah, I'm going to fast because that makes me feel more like a... Christian, or maybe that makes me appear more like Jesus would want me to appear, right? But the result, right, if we fast without a purpose, the result is that we just end up being miserable, and we inflict a lot of pain on ourselves, right? If we're not doing it for a spiritual, for a purpose, if there's not a reason. Richard Foster, who wrote uh, Celebration of the Disciplines, um, kind of the practical guide to the spiritual disciplines, He says this, he says, fasting must forever center on God. It must be God-initiated and God-oriented. I love that idea. There should be a purpose. When we decide to do a fast, when we decide that we need to fast, it shouldn't just be for, just, just for appearance sake. But there should be a purpose, right? There should be a purpose. See, our culture, much like the culture of Jesus in his day, said that fasting was motivated by either vanity or power, right? Either to look a certain way or to get a certain response from people, right? That's how, that's how fasting was used both in that day and I think even today, right? Foster goes on to say this. He says, the use of good things to our own end is always a sign of a false religion. We would be tempted to believe that with a little fast, we could have the world, including God, eating out of our hands. I just think that's so true sometimes. Sometimes, even as Christians, we think, you know what? If I just do this practice, God will give me what I want. Right? If I just don't eat, then God's going to make things turn out the way I want them to. That's not the purpose of fasting. Right? That's not the purpose of fasting. That's not why we fast. In the same way, it's also not to gain attention or accolades from other people. Right? Let's jump back to our passage in Matthew chapter 6, right, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks specifically about this. He says, Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Right? It's the practice. They wanted other people to look at them and say, Look how holy those people are. Because they're fasting. So they would look the part. They would go. So for today, how do, how do, how, what does that look like for us? It looks like, hey, I'm going on a fast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post it on social media. I'm going to tell all my friends so they know how holy that I am. Now, I may not say that that's the reason, but deep down, there's a desire that other people know. Lots of other people know, right? And so what happens? Jesus says, truly, I say the result is that they have received their reward. They've already got what they wanted out of that, right? And that was the praise of men. Then Jesus, listen to what he says in verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by other people, right? Make sure that other people don't even know. Why? Because it's ultimately for your Father. 
It's about your relationship between you and the Father. And your Father who sees in secret, He then will reward you. Right? He will answer that. He will respond to that. He will see that in your life. And so there's caution when we, as, as believers in Jesus, like when we do a fast, right? We have to check our hearts, right? Am I just trying to get the praise of other people, right? There's a really easy test for that, right? Am I telling anybody about it? If I don't tell anybody about it, it's probably not for the praise of other people. Right? Second thing we need to check is, what is my motivation? Am I trying to somehow strong arm God into giving me something or doing something for me? Right? And I think that in my mind, if I just do this thing, then God will have to. Right? That's the key there. It's not that we shouldn't do these when we need God to show up. Right? That's a great reason to fast. If we have something going on in our life and we need God to show up in that moment, fasting is a great practice right? because it changes our hearts and it also petitions God. But never should we think, man, God will have to do what I want him to do if I fast, right? That's, that's the two tests we need to, uh, to run uh, our minds through as we think about fasting, okay? So let me just give you a quick list of, of other really good reasons to fast, okay, since we're talking about that. Uh, one is to express our delight in God's goodness. There's this passage in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse uh, 37. Uh, there was this prophetess named Anna. And she was waiting to see the Messiah. And what it says in Luke 2, uh, 2.37, it says that she was worshiping with fasting. So fasting can be a way that we worship God. I can abstain from food so that I can glorify and, and worship God. I can think about Him, right? And I can shift my focus from that meal to praising Him. So it can, it can express our delight in God's goodness. Two, to confess our need for God's grace, right? Sometimes we just need to get at, at, at the bottom of ourselves, like to that, to that place, and we just need to express our need for the grace of God in our lives. More than we need a meal, we need his mercy in our life. And so fasting can be a helpful practice. Number three, to seek and to submit to God's will. The more that we want more than we want our hunger to cease, we want his kingdom to come. And there's something about, right, there's something about this when I physically am going to restrain from eating something because instead of wanting that meal, I actually just want to see God's kingdom come more than I want to see that happen, right? Or maybe, maybe there's, a, there's something in your life, right? There's a big decision to be made in your life. And you just want to know how God would have you handle that situation. You just want to know, right? And so, so what you're saying to God is more than this meal that I'm about to eat, I just want to know what your plan would be in my life, God. And so you're taking that time just to seek Him. Number four is to anticipate the return of God's Son. More than my stomach longs for to be full, my soul longs to see Christ, Right? There are moments in your life, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, um, just speak to a second to some of the younger guys in the room, guys and girls, right? Um, girls make you feel so young. Ladies, right? Ladies and gentlemen. Um, I remember when I was like in high school, coming up through college, the idea of anticipating the return of Jesus seemed like the scariest thing in the world. Like, there were so many dreams and ambitions and things that I wanted to accomplish, right? In fact, in my mind, <laughs> I shouldn't share this, um, especially as it. Oh, no, the, the video stopped recording. Oh, perfect. Perfect. So we're, we're good. So we're good. I can share whatever I want to today. 
Um, right? They, I remember, like, in high school and in college, I knew that I was going to get to my wedding day. And I was going to walk down the aisle, and right before I said I do, I was going to hear the trumpet sound, and Jesus was going to take me away. And I was going to be like, no, Lord, don't take me. Right? Like, it just seemed like the scariest thing because I had all these plans and these ambitions, right? But, but as I have gotten older in life, and, I've, and really most importantly, as I've come to know Jesus more and more, my heart just longs for that day when he will return. Right? When you get to a place where your faith, when you actually believe what your faith says, that actually a day with him is better than anything we can experience with him, being in his presence is so much better than anything that we can even imagine, right? That makes, us, makes our hearts just long and anticipate the day when we will see Jesus come back. And so fasting could be a time that we do that, right? I'm going to abstain from food so I can just think about and pray and long for the return of Jesus. And number five, I think, is a really practical reason um, that, I, that I've seen in my life um, that is really helpful is that there's something about fasting that reveals things that control us, right? There's something about fasting that helps reveal things that control us. When we abstain from something we need, like food, it also has a way of showing us very clearly other things that have our hearts and our minds, right? Uh, the psalm writer says this in Psalm 69, verse 10. He says, when I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, something about fasting would just humble my soul. It became my reproach, right? Here's how it goes, right? Uh, you go and you start fasting, and you fast. Usually for the first day, like, most of us are pretty pretty good. Like, we can kind of hang with it, whatever. Um, but after a couple of days, and the stomach starts to well up, you notice that there's an anger that starts to well up within you. Mm-hmm. And our, 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 a lot of times we want to justify that anger and just say, that's just hunger, right? But a lot of times, right, what happens as a result of us being hungry actually says a lot more about our hearts than we're willing to say with our words, And so sometimes fasting can be a helpful practice to bring out those things, to see those things that control us. Because I can tell you, if you go without eating for, for, you know, a meal or two or or a day or two, it starts to really reveal some things that are inside your heart. Uh, And you look around and see how you treat the people around you um, as an indicator of that, right? And so fasting... Right? There are many reasons that we should fast. And there's probably more than this uh, that would call us to fast, right? But the goal then of fasting, and this is really where I want us to, if you write nothing else down, I want you to write this down, is that the goal of fasting is actually feasting on God. That's the goal of fasting. It's not just to abstain from food. It's certainly not, as we said, to try to get God to, to do something for us, make God do something for us. It's not about so that other people can think better of us, right? It's actually feasting on God, right? And so the picture is I'm abstaining from something, again, that I need, like that sandwich or that meal, but I'm not just starving myself. I'm actually feasting on God. And this is, I think, another reason that we get it wrong so many times is we just stop eating and we just think that's the practice of fasting, right? But we don't ever replace that with something that our hearts and our souls need more. And that's time with God, right? Jesus picks up on this. Uh, there's this story in John chapter 4 that most of us are familiar well. It's the, uh, familiar with. Uh, it's the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And so, you know, there's that whole exchange, right? And like, what are you doing here? And, and Jesus is like, give me some water. And she's like, uh, I can't believe that you as a Jewish man would ask me for water. And he's like, hey, 
uh, if you would ask, I'd give you this, this whole living water, right? That's where Jesus talks about that to her. And then she's like, she's like, I perceive that you're a prophet. And he's like, yes, right? Because he just told her about, uh, like, all the five husbands that she'd already had, plus the guy that she's living with that's not her husband. And she's like, I perceive that you're a prophet, right? And then she goes back and she tells her whole village, there's this man that, that told me everything about my life. And at the tail end of that story, the disciples come back, right? First, they were surprised because he was talking to a woman because that just wasn't the practice um, back in, 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 this, uh, in this time period in Jerusalem. That wasn't the practice. And secondly, they're like, Jesus, you were talking to a Samaritan woman. Like, what in the world is going on? Um, right? But once they get past the shock of all that, they come to him. And, and we find this in verse 31. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Did you see Jesus get something to eat? Like, I didn't see him get anything to eat. Like, what's this? Is Jesus, like, holding out on us? He got a secret, like, stash of snacks in his back pocket that we don't know about? I don't know they had back pockets back then. Maybe tied around his waist, whatever it was. Um, Ross will teach in a few weeks. I'm sure he can tell you. Um, right? But listen to what Jesus says. He says, he said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so for us, when we look at fasting, it's not just abstaining from food, but instead it's feasting on God. It's feasting on what would he have me to do in my life. It's feasting on on the mission and the vision and the purpose for my life. And that's what feasting is, right? It's for us, as Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 35, for us to feast on the bread of life. Instead Instead of feasting on that sandwich, is to actually eat from the bread of life. Or as John says, or as Jesus says in John 13, 4.13, it's not to fast from, from food, but it's actually to drink from the well, from the spring of eternal life. And I love that picture. I love that picture of, of it's not abstaining from something, it's actually gaining something, and that is being in the presence of God. Okay? So let's take a minute, okay? And I want you guys to circle up and to discuss this question. How might missing a meal, right, um, in order to spend time with God, to feast on God, how might that change a person's perspective? How might that change the way that we, the lens through which we view the world or maybe what God has called us to do, okay? So let's take a minute, discuss that, and we'll come back and talk about a few practical pointers on how to fast and how to do this in the right way. Okay. All right, guys, let's uh, bring it back. Um, I do want us to have enough time to speak of the, of the practical steps of this, the practical side of this, because we, that's one of the goals we set out at the beginning of this uh, series was not just to talk about the why, which is so important, but to also talk about the how practically to set us up each week so we can actually practice these things and, and see uh, their intended purpose. So let's, uh, let's talk quickly about that. So again, uh, at risk of sounding cheesy or going with a, another Christian acrostic, uh, this one was great. If you don't like it, you can complain to David Platt because I stole it from him. Um, so, and if you can understand what he's saying half the time, then that's even, even better. Uh, I love that guy. He's, man, his brain is brilliant. But fasting, okay, here's a quick, here's a quick acronym. F, so help us, is the focus on God. Right? That's the whole goal. That's the whole mindset. As we think about fasting, we, should, we need to start by thinking about God. What is it that God is calling me to do in this fast? Why am I fasting? 
Is there something in my life that I know is out of check and so fasting is going to allow me uh, the attention to think about that? Is it that I just want to seek him more? Is there a big decision coming up and I just want to know what he wants me to do in that? And so I'm going to implement fasting to help me with that. Is it just a, a longing so that I, so I can just long for him more? Um, why am I fasting, right? So focus on God, right? That should be the starting point. Two, the very obvious is abstain from food, okay? So that's, that's how you practice it, right? You just take a period of time and you don't eat when you normally would and you focus on God. S, substitute the time with prayer and study, right? Again, it's not just I'm going to sit there and think about how hungry I am, even though that may be helpful for part of it, right? To feel that, we were talking about in our group, uh, to feel that hunger. And then I go out and I see someone who's actually experiences hunger every single day, how much more I can identify, how much more compassion I may have with that person, right? So that may be a helpful part of it, right? But I'm also going to spend time in prayer and study, okay? And then this last T, I love this last part, is to taste and see that God is good. Just to experience the goodness of God, right? It's really a trust element, too, for a lot of us. A lot of us that, when we think about skipping a meal, just freaks us out, right? Um, like, when we think, I shouldn't share this either, but we're not doing it on video, so it's okay. When we go on a vacation, the first thing that we think about is what snacks we're pay- taking in the van. Um, and we no longer take, like, some of you guys, like, have a little snack. No, we have this, it's the zebra-looking bag. I don't know where, I know where we got it from. We got it from Nicole's mom, uh, because everything is zebra print with her. Um, but we got this bag, and it's like this. I feel like I'm doing the fish tour. It was this big. But it's literally like this big. And we chalk that thing full of snacks every time we go, right? And so for some of us, right, they're, they're, it's going to be healthy for us to trust God in this and to see his goodness. That, yes, I can miss a meal or two, and he's still going to sustain me and hold me through this. And I get to experience the sweetness of God even in the midst of that fast. Okay? So F-A-S-T. Just some very practical ways, okay? Here's a few other practical ideas that will help as we begin to fast. Number one is to start small. Start small. Don't be like, hey, I saw Moses and Jesus do 40 days without food and water. Again, you will die, okay? I just want to stress that. You will die. Um, In fact, you probably won't die because you'll probably make it to day three, and then you're like, I can't do this, Um, right? But don't do that. Start small. If you've never fasted before, we're going to talk about that. Start with a meal. Don't go for a week or even for a day. Go for a meal. Okay, start small. One of the things that I would encourage people to do is when you fast, it should be a building up, right? It's a discipline. It's like, it's like you don't go to the gym for the first time and you just like kill like 280 pounds on the bench press, right? Because what happens the next day? You die, right? Your bones and your muscles, they die. Right? Any of us that are over 30 now know what happens when you do something physically outside you're not used to doing. You die for three days, and, you, and the world can't see you. Right? So start small. Right? This should be an enjoyable thing to some way. It should, be, it should be something that you want to do more and more. Number two, plan what you will do instead of eating. This is so crucial. Right? Another, another uh, mistake that we make a lot of times is we say, yeah, I'm going to spend time with God. Okay? So I'm not going to eat, I'm going to spend time with God. And then you get to lunch, right? Say so you're, you're going to fast through lunch, and you get to lunch, but yet you don't have your Bible, you don't have what you're going to study, you haven't thought through any, any things of what you want to pray through, you haven't made a list of, of prayers that you want to ask God to speak to you about, right? And so all you can do in that moment is just sit there and think about the hunger, and then there's a good chance you're just going to give up and go eat a, a burrito or something, right? 
It's very different than if you than if you prepared for that, right? And maybe you have a list of scriptures that you want to read during that time. Maybe there's specifically something you want to pray and ask God for, and so you've made a list of those prayer requests, so that when you go into this time, that it's that it's purposeful and that you've planned that out. Number three, this is really really key if you're married, is to consider how it will affect others around you. Okay, if you're married and you are primarily the person that prepares the meals every day, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to fast. Good luck. Right? Sorry, kids. Uh, there's some Easy Mac. I uh, hope you can figure out how to use the microwave. Mom, Dad, we're going to be like just chilling over here, right? Praying and stuff. Right? Consider other people. Maybe you make some meals ahead that are easy for other people to heat up. Right? Or, right, this isn't about telling everybody, but it would probably be helpful to, to tell your spouse. It will probably enrich your marriage if, you, if they know why you're maybe being a little bit more grumpy. Or while you're not eating, maybe, you know, maybe they won't be insulted that you just don't want to eat their food, but they know you're actually trying to fast and they can encourage you and support you in that. So consider how it'll affect others. Number four is try different kinds of fasting, right? Maybe you're going to fast for different things, for different reasons. Maybe one time you're going to fast because you want, there's a big decision. Maybe then another time you just want to seek God more. Um, so try some different kinds of fast. Uh, number five, kind of going along with that, try something different other than food. Um, so sometimes that can be a helpful practice, right? For some of us, not all of us, this is an excuse. I think food is a really great thing to, to practice from because it's a general, it's a universal need for all of us, right? There's no one in this room who doesn't need to eat food because if you don't, you will die, right? But for some of us, there are other things that grip and hold our heart in the same way that food does. So for some of us, maybe it's these things we need to fast from. And we just need to stop making the excuses and I'm going to lock this thing up for two days. Or I'm going to, some of you guys are already getting anxiety thinking about that. I can't go without my, yes, you can. People survived for thousands of years before we had these things, right? Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's something else that has your heart and you're going to fast from that. Number six, I think this is really good. Don't think of the white elephants, okay? The white elephant is that thing you can't have. Right or or that mystery thing. So so while you're fasting, don't sit there and just think about that I can't have food, or don't just sit there and think about the cheeseburger that you're not eating right now. Right, focus on God. Right, don't focus on the things you can't. Focus on the things that you can that you can feast on God. Okay. So next next to the last thing I want to cover before we get to the practice this week. This is not the practice that I'm about to talk about. So I want to just kind of set. Set that straight to the guidelines, right? But here's a practical guide if you want to start to get into the practice of fasting. Here's, some pra here's a practical plan that may be helpful. Um, and again, it's a progressive plan. It's something that you would, uh, over time, continue to do more and more and more of, okay? So phase one is to begin a partial fast, okay? So there's a restriction to your diet, but it's not a total absence of food. Okay, so a lot of people, what they'll do is that um, they'll, instead of, instead of eating, maybe they'll, they'll drink some fresh fruit juice. So you're still getting some sugar. You're still getting a few of those things. If you've never fasted before, this may be a great way to help uh, get started because your body doesn't just freak out. You're not dealing with the whole sugar crash and then also without having food. Okay, so typically you would want to start with a 24-hour period of time. A lot of people suggest from lunch to lunch to be a helpful time to do that. Um, it just seems like a helpful time for a lot of people to go from lunch to lunch to fast, okay? Um, and so you would just drink, uh, instead of eating, maybe you just drink a glass of fresh fruit juice 
uh, to kind of help you as you kind of build toward that, okay? And then when you break the fast, so after that 24-hour period of time, it's really important that you start back with a light meal of fresh fruits and vegetables. Don't start back with that cheeseburger you were thinking about. It will not be good, right? If you need me to explain why, talk to me afterwards, and I can explain, right? But you go 24 hours out of eating anything, and then you jump into a greasy cheeseburger, it's not going to work out too well for you, okay? And so, and so you would do that, right, once a week for several weeks, okay? And once you get into the practice and feel like, man, this is, this is, like, this is doable. I can, I can do this. I'm, I'm starting to not feel as, as, as scared of this, right? Begin a normal fast, abstaining from all food, liquid or solid, or what they call a water-only fast. And again, you would do a 24-hour period from lunch to lunch, right? A couple things to keep in mind. One, hunger pains are not starvation, right? So the body is trained to give you hunger signals. And especially when we're used to just feeling it every time we get this. Like, if you're like me, I don't even have to feel the hunger pains. I have, like, the phantom hunger pains. Any of you guys, like, feel that? Like, I just, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to be hungry. Like, I'm pulling, like, a Yoda moment or something. And I'm like, yeah, in, in 15 minutes, like, my stomach's going to growl. So let me just go ahead and take care of that right now. And so slowly we just train our bodies, right, to, to send out more and more of those hunger signals. And so to realize that, yes, those, those, those stomach pains, those hunger pains, that's not starvation. That's just your body because you've trained it to do that so long. So a really helpful thing to do is to drink a glass of water. A lot of times you drink a glass of water and that hunger pain goes away. That stomach growling goes away. If it doesn't, drink a second glass of water and I guarantee that it will go away. Okay? And that'll help. So after that 24-hour period, again, start back with a light meal with fresh fruits and vegetables and maybe do this for a few more weeks. Okay? And then third, the third phase, right? This is when you're starting into a little bit more of an extended period, right? Is a 36-hour fast, right? So you're fasting basically like nine meals if you eat three meals a day, okay? And so now you're just taking that fast that you did in phase two, and you're just doing it for a longer period of time. You're doing it for three days, okay? And after three days, right, comes the period of time and when you start to just seek the Lord and, and figure out if he's asking you maybe to go longer than that. Right? And that, that has to be a between you and the Lord thing. This is not, hey, you need to do this and this and this, right? A lot of people will say a good time period is between three to seven days. Uh, a lot of people will say, have said that they've had substantial impact on the course of their life in that period of time, okay? So what I want to do is just go over a few things that the body will do during that period of time. I feel like I, this is a weird conversation for me to have, um, but we're going to have it because it's important. I, what The worst thing to happen is you get in there and be like, Am I, gonna, am I dying? Am I dying? The pastor told me it was okay. Am I dying? Right? And it's just like hunger pains. You need to drink some water. Um, or that he said you're going to die like five times this morning already. Um, so days one through three for most people are the most difficult. The reason for that is that the body is releasing toxins. As you guys are probably well aware, as we eat stuff that's less than healthy for us, right, our body retains the toxins. So that fasting is kind of a way when we don't eat those and put that into our body, our body has this natural way of releasing those toxins, getting them out of our body, right? Some people call this a cleanse, right? But your body kind of does that naturally. So if you're just drinking water, your body will release those. And during that process, you feel less than great, right? It's, it's not like the best feeling in the world. And then for a lot of us who are addicted to caffeine, if you've ever come off caffeine for a few days, like you get a gnarly headache, right? It just, it just feels awful. 
Um, and so realize that usually the first three days are the worst. By day four, hunger pains will begin to start to subside. Some people will say that they feel weak or dizzy occasionally. So, like, if that's you, just be careful. Like, don't go run a marathon or go, like, you know, to the trampoline park or do anything crazy, right? Just take it easy for a day or so, uh, and most of the time that will, will stop. Uh, by day six, most people start to feel much stronger. The hunger pains continue to diminish. By day 10, most of the time the hunger pains are actually eliminated and your concentration will begin to sharpen. And most people say that this is the, the most physically enjoyable period of the fast because you feel clear again, right? You're not feeling hungry. You're not feeling like you need. And you can really enjoy that, that time and that feasting on the Lord because all the physical stuff's not going on. And then somewhere between day 21 and day 40, the hunger pains return. And this is the first stage of the body's starvation. The body's used up all of its reserves, and so it's a good time to break the fast. Does that make sense? Okay. So, uh, one, one word of warning, though. Um, okay, I feel like i got to include this on there uh, for everybody. Some people, because of physical reasons, may not uh, or should not fast. Uh, specifically, people who are diabetic, expectant mothers, heart patients, or others. If you have questions or concerns, please go talk to your doctor, not your pastor, right? I don't know all of your medical conditions, nor do I probably need to know all of them and how that will affect them, right? So if you have questions, ask your doctor. Say, hey, I'm thinking about doing a fast. And chances are, if you're like, hey, I'm going to do a fast for a meal or even for a day or three days, your doctor's probably going to be like, hey, that's totally fine. Just, you know, be aware of these things that may happen. Right? But for other people, it may not be that way. And so maybe you need to look at fasting from something else than food um, that you can still uh, spend that time seeking God. Okay? That makes sense? Clear? Expectation? Is that all water? That's 21 to 40 days? It is. Yeah, that's water. That's water. Yeah. Now, this is not a requirement. Again, it's going to start tonight. Look, after. <laughs> look. After day three, seek the Lord if you should go longer, okay? Seek the Lord. Um, God may, you know, you may get there and feel like, man, God has spoke to me and he's answered what's going on. Or I feel like, man, I've really, my heart's really moved in a healthy direction. And so day three, that's great. I'm done. Um, and you can start to, to, to phase back out. For others, for others of us, God may be calling us at a period of time to fast for a longer period of time, okay? So think through those, pray through those carefully. And again, if you get into day four or something and you're like, man, I, something doesn't feel right, don't keep going, okay? You start to feel really gnarly and, and stuff, right? But for most of us, right, for most of us, uh, a very simple meal or a 24-hour fast can actually have a really significant uh, effect on our hearts and on our minds, right? Because that's the goal, right? The goal is not, this is not to, to, to you know, to, for weight loss or to, to, you know, get back in those jeans that you can't fit into anymore or whatever that may be, right? Um, fasting will probably do some of that, uh, but that's not the goal. The goal is for our hearts and minds to, to long for God and to be satisfied in Him. And so uh, usually a much shorter fast can, can accomplish that. Uh, but I just want to give you guys uh, an outline uh, for anybody who may be more interested just want the knowledge of that, okay? Now the practice of the week. This is something that I would encourage us to think about together, okay, because I think this is probably doable for most of us, is that for one day this week, fast for one meal. I want us all to say that just so that it's clear. One day for one meal, okay? Um, I would encourage us to maybe skip a meal. Um, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Now, some people already just fast through breakfast, and that's not a deal. 
Um, use your discretion whether you really feel like you're going to get any uh, spiritual impact from skipping that. Um, maybe it will. Um, but again, remember, the most important part of that, though, is during this time you seek God in prayer and scripture. Here's what's cool. These are two of our, our previous practices. So now we get an opportunity to go back and implement them again in this practice, right? And so, uh, you know, if, if for you, uh, breakfast just seems to be the time. Maybe it's just the time that you actually have the time to stop during the day and to actually give that 30 minutes or so that you would normally be eating breakfast. Um, or in your mind, ideally, you would be eating breakfast. Uh, maybe that's the best time for you, just that it works out in your day. Uh, maybe as, as your day goes on, it's just not possible. Um, or maybe it's lunch, maybe it's dinner, right? But instead, seek and pray and seek God, right? And then again, look, make sure to prepare before you fast for success and for intentionality, right? Don't just be like, oh, man, I forgot my practice today. It's Saturday night. I guess I'm going to skip dinner and... Um, what am I going to, you know, that's probably not going to out, work out too well for you. Prepare, think through it, right? Think through what would just fit and, and set you up for a successful time to actually feast on God, okay? So that's the practice this week. Um, and then next week we get to come back and talk about it um, and talk about our experiences and um, see what God has, God has taught us through this. Um, I just want to mention one other thing. There's a practical. So that's also a practice we haven't talked about yet. But the practice of good hygiene—that's also a good practice. But yes. Wives' title, but yes. Yes, sir. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Yes, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I meant to mention that too. Yeah, as part of that preparation process beforehand, don't just go and like go to the Golden Corral buffet and try to eat as many mashed potatoes and gravy as you can. That's what I would do. Uh, for some people, it's different things, right? Don't don't be like, I'm never going to eat again, so I'm going to eat everything I possibly can, right? It's going to be a horrible experience for you if you do it that way. Um, but actually, it's helpful if you could actually have a light kind of trend to a lighter meal um, the day before. And so if you're going to fast for uh, a meal or for, for a day or longer than that, um, yeah, the day before or so, kind of prepare in that way. Maybe just like, you know, uh, have, a, have a decent breakfast, uh, maybe something lighter for lunch, and then maybe like a salad or something for dinner just so your body's kind of getting moving in that direction. So thank you for pointing that out. Um, and you guys will tell Joe thank you this week because you don't have to experience that. <laughs> Somebody might be like, you didn't tell me I wasn't supposed to eat a burrito the night before. So deal um and again remember in all of this guys again just that reminder that it's it's not about the practice itself okay the goal is not to be hungry the goal is not to feel excruciating pain right the goal is to get closer to jesus the goal is to abstain from food for spiritual purposes right to 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 fast from food to feast on god that's the heartbeat behind it Okay, that's what we're really moving toward this week in the practice that uh, is really going to help us become uh, more like the disciples of Jesus. Okay, so let me close this out in prayer and then um, Ross and Holly are going to lead us in one 
last song together. Um, and let me just say, um, before I pray, um, if anybody needs, if there's anything going on in your life this morning, um, maybe even just something as, as crazy as thinking about fasting really spoke to something spiritually that's happening in your life, or there may be something in there that's like, man, I just got this big thing I want you to be praying with me about this week, uh, because I know that God's going to reveal it or use that while I'm fasting this week. Um, I'll be standing in the back this morning. Uh, if anybody just needs somebody to talk to or, or to pray this morning, um, just let you guys know. I'll be back there, um, and Ross and Holly will, will lead us in this last song. So, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for just uh, a time with our church to talk about this practice of fasting, this discipline that, um, Father, has been much forgotten, as you know, Lord, in our, in our culture, especially here in our Western culture. I pray that we would just grasp a new appreciation, the reality of uh, this practice of abstaining from something we need, God, for something that we need even more, and that is you. And so I pray this week uh, for my brothers and sisters as we, uh, as we just uh, feast on you, God. I pray that, God, it would be a, a joyful time, not because of the way we feel necessarily, but because we get to spend time with you and that we dedicate that time with you. I pray that for the marriages, I pray for the relationships, I pray for just relationships with you this week, God, that they would be strengthened through this practice. Um, God, I pray for each one of us individually that as we um, just lean in closer and closer to you this week, God, that we would get more and more of you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.